This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. You're listening to episode 153. What the Lent? Of the in-between podcast where you'll discover the tools. <laughs> that was a good one. To build a marriage and family that you love. My name is Daniel Lim. And I'm Christina M. <laughs> well, did you grow up observing what the Lent, Daniel? <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't actually. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I didn't either. It was only until we were engaged, actually, that we started observing Lent. Mm-hmm. You remember what I gave up that first time? Yeah, Diet Coke. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just a joy to be around, right? <laughs> You're always a joy to yeah. be around, no matter what. <laughs> Except that first week without Diet Coke, I was an absolute mess, y'all. Like full on withdraws, headaches, mood swings. I found myself even opening the fridge without me being aware of that I was at the really? fridge. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Like I would just, I would just find myself there. Like my body was like, girl, we know what you need. Just yeah. make your way. Diet Coke had a hold on me. Hmm. Man, I, so was that, maybe that was when we were engaged. Yeah, yeah. yeah we were okay, at my so, Yeah, place. so that's why I couldn't. I yeah. didn't realize. Oh, yeah. Because your dad loved Diet Coke, yes, too. Yes, he so. did. And he did not give up Diet Coke for Lent. So it was still full <laughs> so he on kept there. It stocked, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, so in this week's episode, we're going to be interviewing Tish Oxenrider about how to celebrate Lent as a family. Uh, for some, it's known as the 40 days to give up chocolate, alcohol, social media, or a quick way to diet before Easter. And as a result, the Lenten season can be easily misunderstood. In fact, it's not in the Bible, and and Jesus never really told us to do it either. Yet, the ancient church declared the months before Easter a fasting season, and millions of Christians still observe it today. Right. So whether you've been celebrating Lent for many, many years, or you actually just want to dip your family's toes into this liturgical practice, this episode is full of practical tips and historical background of the why and how to observe Lent. Yeah. Now, for those of you who may not know who Tish is, uh, Tish Oxenrider is the best-selling author of several books, most notably At Home in the World, her memoir about her family's year traveling around the world and living out of backpacks. She's also a travel guide, teacher, and podcaster, and she lives in Georgetown, Texas with her husband and three kids. She is equally happy snorkeling the Great Barrier Reef with her family and putzing around in her own backyard. Nice. What a contrast. Right? (laughs) Yeah. I could do more snorkeling than putzing, I think. Yeah, that's true. That's true. (laughs) So pull up a chair, podcast family, get a warm drink, and listen to our conversation with Tish. Consider this your invitation to go deeper this Lenten season. Well, Tish, welcome to the In Between Podcast. We are so glad to be connecting with you today. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. 
Well, we are going to be discussing your newest book, Bitter and Sweet, and also how to celebrate Lent as a family. But first, because of everything we've gone through for the last two years, we'd actually love to hear what lessons or things have been ruminating in your mind uh, about what it means to be at home in this world. Because that was your previous book, if people know you. Um, Mm -hmm. You wrote that about your family that traveled all over the world for a year and the lessons you learned. And now that we're maybe not so able to travel all all over the world so freely, what lessons have you been able to to capture from that? Well, what was funny about that book, you know, in that entire year that I was not expecting is that God taught me a lot about what home actually means. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, you know, this idea that when you love to travel or when you don't feel comfortable wherever you are, you have that itch that two things can be true, that you can love exploring the world and you can love being at home. And so um, the book, that that book, I explore the idea of what it means to belong and that what that means ultimately is to know and be known. You know, we all have this God-given desire to uh, to feel known, to be known by our community, but also to know said community. So, um, yeah, I, I think we can all experience or appreciate the experience of the past two years going into, you know, year, whatever, 163 <laughs> yes, of this, feels like that, it, yep. uh-huh, that, um, there's a lot about ourselves that perhaps God is wanting us to learn and about our community. You know, I think, I think in our modern era, we like to, leave whenever things get hard or Mm. honestly, even more than that boring. And we have not been able to do that. We've had to lean into the boring. We've had to lean into the hard. And I think God uses that a lot to teach us more about ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have any practical examples for yourself of just being like, this is when, even though it was hard, this is when I leaned in and something good came out of that. Um, You know, it was kind of, our kids, we already, I work from home already. My kids go to school three days a week at a school and two days a week at home. So our adjustment was smaller than a lot of other people's. And yet at the same time, it was an adjustment. I think I really learned what it meant to appreciate little ordinary things. We, um, I guess it was three lengths ago, honestly. Um, no, four. We started a backyard garden. Okay. And that was part of our Lenten practice, actually, as a family. Mm-hmm. So I can get into that a little bit later. But um, we had a whole new appreciation for the garden, the backyard garden during this lockdown, right. because it was not only a like hobby, I guess, in a way that we could do as a family, but it got us outside and it connected us to the literal land God has put us in. Right. Mm -hmm. And it um, forced us to appreciate the analog, you know, so much of our world has gone digital, especially during lockdown with kids in school and church for a while, all that, um, that felt really good to get like our hands in the literal dirt and to slow down and to do things the ordinary way that humans have been doing, you know, for mm-hmm. thousands of years. Yeah. So that was a huge lesson for me. Yeah. 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 That's good to be grounded, right? Literally grounded. Literally grounded. It's yep. <laughs> huge. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Even for our church, uh, right before COVID hit, we had just done this, uh, you know, how not to rely on tech sort of, uh, sort of series. Mm-hmm. And then COVID hits. <laughs> 
And, oh, no. and as we, yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? And, Never and, and, mind. Yeah. Uh, how to kind of going off of Andy Crouch's book, right? That the tech wise family, mm-hmm. that sort of thought. And, and really throughout these last two years, even intentionally creating analog resources yeah. mm-hmm. and goals around what that looks like and getting that into our church family's hand because everything is digital. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's really neat to, to hear about that and how your family has just been adjusting. Can you just share with our podcast family, the, the ages of your kids, just so that everyone kind of has a sense as to what you're referring to? Yes. Yes. So my oldest is 17 and then I have a middle guy who's 14 and then an 11 year old. So I'm kind of in that messy middle of parenting, right? I'm yeah. not in the little guys, but yeah. they're still very much all consuming me right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, good. Exactly. So <laughs> oh, I remember I saw this meme. It's like teenagers are um, like the, like the office crush that you had. <laughs> it's like you talk a lot about them a lot and you think about them a lot more than they think about you. <laughs> That's like, hilarious. Yes, this is exactly <laughs> it, right? Yeah, like, it feels oh, like it. Yeah, you're like, what are they doing? What are they thinking about? Yeah. <laughs> I have a friend who calls the stage houseplant parenting. So what it is is oh. you're there and you're there to clear the air, but you're kind of otherwise kind of not so much in the background, but right. you're you're kind of letting them do their thing and you're available when you need to be there. Um, and I thought that was a really great way to put it because sometimes we, you know, we tend to try to parent the way we've done this whole right. time. And then there becomes this tension and it's not because they don't love you. It's because they, they're trying to figure out who they are and they have one foot into adulthood, mm-hmm. one foot still in childhood, and they need you to be around to help you know, provide the yeah, wisdom, clear yeah. the air, um, without telling them exactly, you know, what to do. So that's, that's been my big life lesson right that's now awesome. with, at this age. Yeah. I love it. We're not helicopter parents. We're not lawnmower parents. We're plant parents. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's awesome. Very I don't much. Know if I want yep. to take that analogy too far though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can throw us away at any time. <laughs> they not water. Okay. Anyway. All right. All so right. if you're listening to this podcast, uh, when it dropped like the week or kind of weeks, afterwards uh, you'll know in the in the year of uh, the calendar that it is we're in and around Easter and one of the reasons we're excited to have Tish on the podcast is because you have a brand new devotional called bitter and sweet and it's all about uh, our journey to Easter so yeah Tish we'd love for you to just before we get into Lent and and what that means for marriages and families uh, we'd love for you to just share why you landed on those two words bitter and sweet when describing Lent and Easter. Yeah, well, you know, Lent was not something I grew up with at all. I did not know much about the liturgical calendar, the the historic church calendar. It was foreign to me. It wasn't that I was like anti that. I just didn't know anything mm. about that. And so um, my interest in Lent and therefore kind of where the title of this book comes from because of what I learned from it, um, really, if you zoom out, it comes from the whole calendar, starting with Advent. And so it's helpful to think of the entire calendar that uh, the church has recognized, I will say, first of all, uh, for most most of its history. Um, in fact, we have record of Christians recognizing Lent even before we had the canon of the Bible. Um, so it's been around a long time um, that we have this cycle that God gives us, or the church gives us through the cycles God has given us through the seasons. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of leaning into our natural seasons that we have with nature. Mm-hmm. And the, the start of the liturgical calendar is Advent, right? So we've got the, the four Sundays of Advent, and then that leads us into Christmas, which traditionally is also 12 days. And then some traditions even see it as longer. And then we've got what's called ordinary time. And then we've got this thing called Lent. But 
Lent is is there because it's preceded by Easter. And the reason that's important along with Advent and Christmas is because we never see in the calendar fasting without feasting. Like we don't, Mm. we don't have seasons of fasting for no reason, or like just to sort of have this time of challenge, you know, like a a dare or like to prove our, our self-worth or something like weight loss program or something in the new year. (laughs) Right. Right. Which I think a lot of us treat it Mm -hmm. as that, like I'm going to not eat sugar and see how, what, you know, how I feel we treat it as that, but really, and truly the church has long recognized Lent as the season of preparation for Easter. And then Mm -hmm. the cool thing is, is that the season of Easter traditionally is 50 days. It goes all the way to Pentecost. Um, and so even though Lent is long, it's not, as long as Easter. So the fast is definitely a preparation for the longer season of feasting. And so um, the bitter and sweet comes from its bookends, the beginning and the end. So we already know the end that we just talked about, which is Easter. Mm -hmm. And if we think of what uh, what we're celebrating with Easter, it's the audacity of Christ overcoming death, right? That death has lost its sting. Well, the beginning of it. So it starts at a, a, a time called Ash Wednesday. And it's a day that historically, you know, there's still all sorts of church traditions that do this, where you take ashes and they're also often from last year's Palm Sunday leaves that have been burned down. They take those ashes, they take those ashes and they put a cross on your forehead and they say the words, remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return, which is a poetic way of saying, remember, you're going to die, right? So remember, you're going to die. Remember that life is short and that you know, we're not here forever. The other bookend is yes, but death has lost its sting. And so you've got, remember you're going to die, but that's not all there is. And so Lent is a slow walk towards that from death to life. And so in, in the devotional explore um, the, you know, because when we fast, we're often fasting from the, the strongholds we have, AKA sin. I wanted to explore what the church is recognized as the seven cardinal vices or you know, basically the categories that all sin comes from, mm-hmm. but it's only in tandem with the virtues. So there's never like, you know, well, you don't just recognize things like pride and gluttony and sloth without things like humility and perseverance or temperance and um, gratitude, those kinds of things. And so I wanted to have both of those. And so to me, the bitter is the sin. The sweet is what we make room for when we say no to the sin, because that's what we're fasting Mm. from anyway. We're not fasting just for the heck of it. We're fasting to make room for God to speak to us. And so that's, that's kind of the long answer of why it's called bitter and sweet. The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babylon, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. Yeah, I love that. And thank you, Tish, so much for um, sharing the history of it as well. Like you were saying, I didn't grow up in a church that observed the liturgical calendar. Even when you were saying, I remember asking a friend who was observing um, the calendar. And I was like, so what do you call like when there's when there's no fasting or no feasting? And she was like, 
ordinary time. I'm like, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. right? I just thought it was just so plain and simple. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I appreciate, um, like I said, just that you're you're explaining the significance of Lent and why we would perhaps consider giving up something. So I remember, I think the first time I did it, I was like, I was addicted to Diet Coke. So I just decided, you know, I'll just give up Diet Coke because it's better for my health and not really understand understanding the full scope of Lent. But then, you know, my human sinful nature really did come out when I didn't have Diet Coke. And I was like, do you remember this, Daniel? I was kind of a beast. I like just, ca- I was the caffeine, right? And yeah, I was like, oh yeah. my goodness. And so really, and I remember you encouraged me. You're like, okay, um, Christina, instead of focusing on what you don't have, focus on what you do have, that you have Christ in you, Christ around you, and that he's going to get you through your 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 caffeine detox like Mm -hmm. you know just really being able to see our humanness but also that Mm -hmm. that god is there for us so um tish you mentioned that you have three three children have you involved them in your exploration of of lent as well yeah, it's kind of funny when people assume that because I wrote a book that like my kids are completely on board with Lent. <laughs> and, and I will I will attest that my kids are very normal. So it's not exactly something they're like jumping up and down excited about. And that's <laughs> and that is okay. Um, you know, like I mentioned, my initial interest in Lent really you could backtrack into um first being interested in Advent. And mm-hmm. Advent is you know, just because of what it is, it's a little easier to get the family on board, right? It's it's a countdown to everyone's favorite holiday kind of thing. <laughs> and um, not so much with Lent for a couple of reasons, one of which it's really long, right? I mean, we're talking 40 days of fasting. The, the entire season is 46 days. So you've got the Sundays, which are kind of considered mini Easter's, like little breaks from the fasting. Um, nonetheless, it's still hard to, you know, get excited about that. So what I have learned best is, um, talking about it and modeling. So I talk about it, like it's a topic that we chat about at home in just light of, um, what the calendar is about at large, you know, especially if you think of the last week of Lent is Holy Week. And so it's walking through those last moments of Christ in real time. So it's Mm -hmm. a lot of just talking about what it looks like to walk with Christ and then modeling what um, my husband and I might do with our fasting, encouraging them, asking them to pray, whether God's asking them to fast from something, talking about the tradition of fasting found throughout scripture, that it's not just this made up idea. And also really emphasizing the point of fasting, which is not to prove yourself to both you or to others or to God. Um, And so just to talk about the human, like just our ordinary day-to-day life of, of Lent, not at all to like give this PowerPoint presentation and then to, (laughs) and then to not talk about it at all. So it's, it looks like, and also in a very organic way, it looks like several days a week over the dinner table, Mm. we're talking about it. A thing that we do in our family anyway, is we go around the table and share um, one thing we learned today and one way we failed because we talk in our family a lot about failure being how we learn and grow. And so we, we don't want to make failure like a taboo or a a thing to avoid. Mm -hmm. And so that's easy to talk about during Lent (laughs) because we can talk about how we really struggled or it was hard, or I came so close or I did or whatever it is. Um, but then the other thing that's helpful with kids, depending on your kids' ages, is that fasting is really only one pillar. There's really three pillars Mm -hmm. 
to traditional Lenten practices. So you've got fasting, but you've also got prayer and what what has historically been called almsgiving. So just mm. giving. Right. And so um, it, a lot of times, especially with kids, it helps to tie those three things together. So if you're fasting, an example is like sugar or chocolate or dessert or something mm-hmm. to then do prayer related to that, but perhaps also giving related to something about hunger or about giving to food insecure, you know, ministries or or some form of that also giving toward, um, you know, cultivating a practice like what we did with our garden, you know, like Mm -hmm. getting the kids involved. And that's a really great kind of opposite to fasting from sugar or chocolate is to start a garden. Um, So making it just really tactile and tangible for kids, especially when they're younger, because they appreciate that like five cents, you know, sensory experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Uh, In in your book, not only is uh, the majority of it the, the daily devotional that individuals can do throughout the whole Lenten season. But you actually start off your book with a lot of good um, information about the history of Lent and, and, and background information, even on give um, on not only on almsgiving, but on giving up something. Uh, and and we love we love the different categories that you share here with sustenance, substance and and practices. Um, so we'd love for you um, before you talk a little bit about that. Uh, it's interesting how you preface all that with five questions to ask yourself before you even decide to give up Diet Coke, right? Or sugar <laughs> or whatever that might be. So would you be able to just walk us through those questions uh, just so our, our our podcast family can get a grasp um, as to kind of the breadth of of what fasting could mean? Yeah. If, if people are like me, Lent usually sneaks up on you. You know, it's kind of one of those, oh shoot, it starts in two days. Yeah. And so you feel a little bit of that, that panic, like I'll fast from this, you know, you're just kind of picking yeah. something. Um, and that's first of all, okay. You know, no big deal. Um, it's so helpful to just remember that this is not about God with a checklist, right. Um, mm asking us to do, you know, X, Y, and Z and watching us or anything like that. All fasting really is, well, it's a big deal. You know, we see it throughout scripture, but what it really is is at its core is letting go of something so that you make room for God. Mm -hmm. So, and what, what the season is about is when you fast from something, you're, you're asking God to speak to you in a way that you wouldn't otherwise be open to hearing. So in the case of like caffeine or hunger or, you know, a a food, whenever you are, um, experiencing hunger pains or caffeine withdrawals, that's the time when we're reminded of our utter dependence on God. Mm -hmm. And we can ask God to meet our need in a way that we otherwise wouldn't get. Mm -hmm. So I say all that to remember, that's what fasting is about. So when you go to think about what it is, it's helpful to remember that because um, my first question is for myself is, have I become overly dependent on a particular sustenance substance or practice lately? And I think Mm. that's where it's really okay to think about like your example with the Diet Coke. That's okay. It's not like it's a bad thing to want to um, just press pause or set aside something that's either bad or just not even bad, just not great or necessary. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's just something that you feel like it would, um, it, it just has a particular hold on your life. Mm-hmm. The second question along with that is which appetites have a unique grip on my soul or body these days. And that is kind of what I was hinting at with those seven vices. Am I, right. am I feeling a bit of that sloth in me? I know that's a common feeling <laughs> around this time of year, right. Or gluttony or, um, 
you know, anger? Or or do I just sense myself like going toward those sorts of tendencies? Mm -hmm. Um, A third one is what would be genuinely challenging, but not a burdensome fast? And I think sometimes we go, Hmm. we swing the pendulum of like, I'm going to fast from all food or (laughs) (laughs) for 56 days. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, But at the same time, sometimes we might be tempted to fast from something that's not necessarily a burden or in our lives. Like it's like my 11 year old fasting from coffee. He doesn't drink coffee. So that's not really, (laughs) you know, a fast fast from doing dishes. Yeah. That's going to be a hard one. Oh, (laughs) or, or his favorite loophole is that he's going to fast from fasting and that's not how that works. Right. Yeah. Um, and then the fourth question is what would be truly freeing to leave behind? Because wow. sometimes perhaps God might use the season to help you let go of something altogether, you know? Mm-hmm. So perhaps, you know, you're thinking I am just hitting the next on the streaming service a bit too easily. Mm-hmm. And I just perhaps want to take a break from that. And you might be surprised that perhaps, you know, by the end, you might just cancel that service. You never know. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And then the last question, and this sounds like a cop-out, but it's honestly the most important is, uh, what do I sense God calling me to? So you can ask all these questions, but ultimately it comes to prayer. And in my personal experience, it always is what ultimately I I fast from comes from God telling me something I least expect in a moment I'm not expecting. So mm-hmm. I'm like sitting in traffic or taking a shower and I just sense God maybe calling me to fast from a particular thing. And I didn't see that coming. And my response is, you know, at first, like, oh, no, (laughs) (laughs) not that. Come on. (laughs) Then that might be a sign that, you know, that that that's a good idea. But anyway, that's that's those are the five questions. Yeah, that's that's super helpful because it gives us this framework because, uh, you know, what, Tish, I think you're you're so right in that sense where it's like, oh, no, I got to fast or, or don't even or, want to ask that question because I know yeah. what God's going to say. Yeah, and I don't exactly. want him to say that. <laughs> and you just go to those. Yeah. The the extreme ascetic sort of yeah. principles or, you know, those things or, or just something, you know, fast from fasting sort of thing. So um, <laughs> and, and so I love it. We love in your book how there is this sense of um, the categories of sustenance and substance and practices. So I think most of us are familiar with that idea of fasting from sustenance like coffee, yeah. Diet Coke, mm-hmm. alcohol, sugar, whatever. But c- can you just unpack those other two pieces? Because I think those two, especially the practices, uh, that yeah. was new for me. I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's unfamiliar to so me too. interesting mm-hmm. to fast from that. So yeah, we'd love for you just to unpack that for us. Yeah, for sure. So substances are, you know, things that basically we just, you can maybe touch. So things in our lives that are tangible, it might be social media. I mean, you don't necessarily touch that, but you know, it's through your phone or Mm -hmm. it's um, Netflix or it's, um, you know, I know of someone who fasted from her mirror for 40 days because she was so, she felt like she was so focused on how she looked that she wanted to fast from that. Um, which I thought was really interesting. So a lot of times in our world, it's tech devices, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't always have to be, um, practices. Yeah. That one's really interesting. Um, I'll say from my own personal experience last year, um, my Lenten fast was, uh, buying anything. So other than Mm. groceries, groceries and bills, I did not buy anything for 40 days. Even if I felt like I quote needed it, if I didn't absolutely need it, it was a, like, if, you know, I could get it once Easter hit, then okay. But right now I can wait. And that was Mm. such a good experience on just my, both my patience and my temperance and my recognition of what all I already had that I had Mm. 
99.9% mm. of what I needed that, yeah. you know, in my modern era that I have so much. Um, but there's a lot of things that perhaps are just habits or things that are just part of your day that you're not even aware of. So, um, a, a few years ago, I fasted from complaining because I noticed oh, that wow. it was just my, mm. it was just my go-to, like, I would come home and I would feel the right to vent to my husband about my day, you know, or talk about, you know, how hard it is to parent afterwards. And mm-hmm. um, while there's places for that, I found myself just depending on that. I found myself going to my husband or a friend instead of God first. And so I just decided I'm going to just, fa- I'm going to just, my fa- my Linton fast is, is not talking so much neg- <laughs> negativity, you know? Yeah. Um, and then there's just other aesthetic kind of ideas that I know some people have done, uh, taking hot showers, which I don't think I could do, but maybe, maybe that's a thing. Um, Sleeping in, you know, just these habits in our lives that we just grow dependent on and they're not bad. It's not bad to sleep in. It's not bad to take a hot shower. Right. Mm -hmm. But maybe, maybe you just sense God speaking to you through doing something challenging on purpose. You know, Um, I, I think, in our modern era, we, especially, you know, related to the digital, we just can be in our heads a lot and we forget that we are in bodies, mm-hmm. um, tangible bodies on in a 3D world, you know, and in our community. And some of these practices can force us to be more in that state, you know, more present in our bodies. Um, and so to me, that's a, a huge Lenten invitation in our modern, you know, time. Yeah. Oh, I love those examples. My goodness, Tish, just touching on the complaining thing, because I'm sure there's lots of parents, including me, who's like, "Uh oh, God, I know. <laughs> is that what I know. you're calling me to? So can you um, talk about the fact after that Lenten time, mm-hmm. um, what did you look back on and be like, mm-hmm. maybe I don't need to complain so much. Maybe instead I can fill in the blank. Yeah. Well, and I love that because I find just like what we talked about with fasting, the whole point of fasting is to make room for something else. Mm-hmm. So it's not just giving something else. It's also adding something. That's right. And that's, that's also why I wanted to go through those, um, the seven cardinal vices because it, they all have corresponding virtues. Mm-hmm. And to me, I, the reason we, you know, get rid of those vices is to make room for those virtues. And so in that case, um, I found myself being so much more grateful for my kids are grateful for the things in my life. And so you start, it's almost like a little mind trick to flip the script, you know, like when you think of something you want to complain about traffic, perhaps, you know, I can be thankful for this moment when I can just do nothing but sit and think and pray or, um, you know, there, there's always something to be thankful for. And so that was such a huge, um, eye opener for me. Plus the idea that so often those things are in the moment. Like Mm -hmm. if I just, stopped and just kept my mouth shut by the end of the day. I don't even remember what it was, you know, but it was just so like, I I thought it was a bigger deal than it really was. (laughs) And it just made me realize how reactionary I was instead of just, um, you know, I don't know, thinking bigger picture by, you know, just that evening. Yeah. I think that's such a beautiful, um, testament and just example of, I don't know. I think I've complained a lot in the last two years. No, I know I've complained a lot in the last two years, but flipping it of making room for um, just what we do have, what we have our family, we have our health, we have a roof over our head, um, we have the Holy Spirit, like just so many things in your, then you just, yeah, almost become overwhelmed with gratitude versus just 
just burdened by our complaining. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. So Mm -hmm. Tish, for our last question, um, the five questions that you were talking about to reflect on seem quite introspective and thinking like, hmm, okay, how am I going to do this, this, what should I, how can we make it more of a communal experience for our children, especially if they're a little bit younger, maybe they don't necessarily have the the capacity or even (laughs) the... (laughs) <laughs> the attention span to sit there and think of all these five questions. So how as parents that would like to introduce Lent or to continue to practice Lent with our children, being able to help them process these five questions? Yeah. Um, I think it's helpful to pray together, you know, to, to hear for your kids to hear you praying about this, um, to talk about perhaps what you sense God calling you to fast from sometimes as a parent, it might be by default. That means they're going to fast from that as well. So if Mm. you're not, you know, if you're fasting from dessert, you're not going to (laughs) be making desserts at home or whatever it is. So there might just be a default depending on your kid's age. Mm -hmm. Um, But to talk about, you know, asking the kids with some really tangible examples. One time I heard of a kid that fasted from ketchup, which I thought was the cutest thing because they needed ketchup with everything, you know, to eat all their food. And they, (laughs) and they sense, you know, that, that idea just came to them when they heard their mom talking about fasting from some other food that I don't even remember what, but that she felt similarly that he felt about ketchup. And I thought that was so great. So, um, encouraging kids just in a really practical, tactile way and to remind them that this is only about so that God can speak to you in a new way, um, that it's not about proving your worth to God. So sometimes kids might come up with these great ideas at first, um, but I think even to kind of temper their, not enthusiasm, but temper their ideas if they are, you know, gung-ho or gung-ho for the wrong reasons, because Lent is really long, Mm. um, that we all know the experience as adults, you know, week three in and you're just like, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) a while. Um, And so to make it really tangible like that, I think is a helpful way to remember what it is you're fasting from. You can write it down if you have like sticky note on the fridge or a chalkboard. Mm. Um, And just to talk about it over the dinner table, whatever it is, um, I think will really help kids remember. But um, I would just also say to the parents, don't be discouraged if this is not something they stick with or excited about or even choose to participate in from the beginning. I know that, you know, it depends on your kids' ages, but my philosophy about things like this and Advent is that even if they don't seem super excited about it now, perhaps you're parenting for their like 20 years from now self, you know, and they will look back and remember these family practices that my parents embodied. And I understand a little bit more now that I'm older. And that's okay. And that's okay. It's so easy. You know, I, I tend to, I love that idea of like, as parents, we tend to give ourselves too much of the credit and too much of the blame mm. that really and truly um, God loves our kids. And so God will use whatever to, to speak to them. And, and if it's fasting right now, great. If it's not right now, that's okay. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I love that. And and I sense that even in and through uh, the devotional and and how you wrote it. This isn't some religious obligation of, you know, if you don't do this, then God's gonna smite you. And you know, you're just, <laughs> this is how you are in God's love. And it's like, no, that's not what this is. And mm-hmm. and and yeah, we need to first hear that ourselves, but also, yeah, you know, we got to be careful lest we 
place a burden upon our uh, kids and a yoke upon our kids that even Jesus himself didn't. That's right. So I love that. And I love, um, love the fact that you just, I, I know how, how, how much time and energy it goes into writing and it's, <laughs> it's like, it's a baby, right? And you're just going, I mean, I don't know. Okay, I'm not going to take that illustration too far. All right, so, um, <laughs> um, but there is that Smart sense where, man. yeah, <laughs> there is that sense, right? There is that sense where it's like, man, you're putting this out, right? You're putting this out, and and for everyone to see, and and I know Tish that this is going to be such a blessing, mm-hmm. and uh, you're not even going to know on this side of eternity all the fruit that's going to be born in and through this. So, uh, we're just so appreciative of you. Um, of your ministry and yeah we would love for you just as we end up this episode for you to share with our podcast family where they can get in touch with you uh, learn more about you and and your writing and this book in particular too yeah the easiest way honestly is tishoxenwriter.com my website because that's where I just have everything linked I've got a weekly newsletter a podcast books I lead trips it's just easier to just go to tishoxenwriter.com although it's spelled weird <laughs> but if you if you you know get the spelling right it's right there yeah so, perfect and we'll yeah. put it we'll put the link in our show notes yeah, too for sure for right. Home, so. all right cool thank you tish thank you guys interesting questions to ask yourself when deciding what to give up for Lent, right, Daniel? Yeah, yeah. You know, I really appreciated how one question was, what would be genuinely challenging, but not a burdensome fast? Hmm. So somewhere between giving up doing dishes and giving up driving anywhere, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, well, So for all the show notes, uh, and if you want to pick up a copy of Tish's book, and also to just find out more about her, be sure to go to inbetween.org slash episode 153. Mm-hmm. Now, podcast family, as we learn to turn from our vices and crave real beauty, goodness, and truth through the pursuit of virtues, may we grow nearer to God and become more like who he made us to be. Grace and peace. We'll talk to you soon. This episode was brought to you in part by the Areopagus Podcast. Two clergy of different traditions, Father Andrew Stephen Damick and Michael Landsman, discuss encounters of historic Christianity with other religious traditions. How do we engage with those who believe differently? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.